0: For those of you who may not know, I write books, mainly screenplay format, but they are out and released on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, you can order them, and I've made it a little bit easier. If you go to l y slash A-T swansong, S-W-A-N-S-O-N-G, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash A-T S-W-A-N-S-O-N-G, all lowercase, you can get... If you have Kindle Unlimited, it's included with Kindle Unlimited, I believe. If not, it's only two ninety nine on Kindle, five ninety nine dollars for a physical paperback. You can pick it up. It's the story of a retired vigilante who comes out of retirement to face off against a serial killer he put away about 20 years prior. It's one of my favorite stories I've written. Eventually, I'm going to get back to telling that story, I think, in November that it comes out. i got to look at the schedule. Uh, November is when Alpha, Echo Alpha comes out. So, again, if you want to read that book, bit.ly slash a t swansong bit.ly slash a t s w a n s o n g we are bringing back giveaways so for this month i have a digital copy of season two of the DC television show, Titan. Now I know the is available on HBO Max, but this can be yours to own. Well, as much as you own a digital copy, which is available in your, I believe it's gonna be in your Amazon account, but totally free. In order to enter, you need to be on the mailing list. To join the mailing list, go to the website. There are gonna be multiple drops during this episode for links that you can use to get to the website. At the bottom of the page, there's a little box you can put your email in and hit submit. Put your email in, press submit, and you'll get added to the list. Everyone on the list is automatically entered each month for the DVD of the month. So this month, for the month of August, it is Titans. This drawing will happen on the episode that takes place on the 2nd of September and then that person just needs to email in directly, but we'll have more details on that as we get closer. So, throughout the show, we have multiple opportunities for you to go and help out the show. At the bottom of each page is going to be the entry form to subscribe. Simply put your email in, and you will be entered to win a digital copy of season two of Titans. Please, everyone, go ahead and do that. I got, we're gonna be giving away stuff every once a month, And then next month, we'll start the new thing. Once you win once, you can't win the next month, but you can win the month after. So, let's see how this goes. This week on 30-Minute Reviews, news. Lots and lots and lots of news. And visitor questions. No movies, because I had a pretty packed schedule this week. But plenty of news and a very, very good listener question this week. Welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam. So i got a few stories today. First off, let's launch with the villain for the Flash movie. Now, I've had my misgivings about the Flash movie. And that's not something that I have held back or kept secret... Or pretended wasn't a, an issue I had. I have my problem with the Flash movie. I, th- I think that the reason why we're getting so much Batman is one of these things where it's like... It's kind of like if you were to use an algorithm to teach a computer what does and does not sell. It's like Batman vs. Superman sold. The movie wasn't very good, but the movie sold anyway. Batman's there. Suicide Squad movie wasn't well received. Still made $800 million. Shazam. Good movie, but didn't sell very well. Same thing with Birds of Prey. Good movie, didn't sell very well. Therefore, what we need for The Flash is Batman. And it feels kind of forced. And it feels like it's something that, you know, is only there because, you know, they think it's going to sell well. And I don't think that they're wrong in that regard. It just feels like a disrespect to the character to do that. I also have not been a fan of the casting of Ezra Miller. I feel like the CW Flash would have been fine for a movie. I know we're at the point where we're we're getting to the point where we could end up with the CW Flash beginning and ending its run between the announcement and release of a Flash movie, um, which is a kind of weird thing to, to deal with, but, you know, here we are. I don't think Flashpoint's a good way to start out a trilogy about the Flash. I think that it's too reliant, and there's a reason why Flashpoint isn't the Flash's origin story, and it's... It's too reliant on knowing the Flash mythos getting to that point. Like, you need to... Like, there's a lot of Flash lore that needs to go into it. And then on top of it, we have two Batman, Supergirl, Cyborg was supposed to be in it until Ray Fisher started, you know, his, his uh, campaign. I feel like it was... There's a lot going on here. And I feel like I'm parroting the same talking points I said for Batman v Superman, but... I think that, you know, the writing was on the wall there, that there's too much going on. And then there was too much going on in the movie, and the movie wasn't very good. And then here we have the same thing, where too much going on, not enough time in a movie to really handle all of it. Now, on top of this, we also have the problem that we now know, well, it reported. I don't know how accurate this is, 100%, but there are reports that we know who the villain's going to be in the first Flash movie. And it's going to be a dark version of Barry Allen who's going to be doing this. And if you're familiar with the TV show, this is the villain they did in Season 3, where a time remnant of Barry Allen became Savitar, the um, the evil speedster, the, the god of speed. Um, and it, it it was an interesting choice for a third season villain there, because it was a way for Barry to really confront what he could be on his worst day. And it is him. It is, like, this is a, a version of him that could very well happen. So for him to face it down and reject that makes sense. But I think in a first movie, that's not a great villain. I would say for a first movie, you know, Thawne would have been a good verse, first movie villain. If they wanted to do the rogues, that would have been a good... Like, or a rogue, like rogue singular, uh, would have been a good first movie villain. You don't need to launch into doing the rogue. You could do that. But you don't need to. You could have done Thawne. You could have done. I think Abracadabra could have held his own movie. I think Trickster could have held his own movie. Like if you were so concerned about like the Batman mythos doing that, use the Trickster. He's got a like. he kind. He has a very similar conceit to the Joker in terms of who he is and what he does. So you could have done that, and that would have worked too. I don't know why that wasn't done. And that could have been... And, and you don't have to have six Batman in the movie. But I, I think that this movie's going to be a mess. I think the fact that they've been through four directors and they now have settled on one is all the indication that we really need that this is going to be a thing, that this is going to be a, a, a big problem of a movie. I I hope that the movie's good. I'm not praying the movie's bad. I want to see a good Flash movie. But I think if we get a bad Flash movie, it's going to be a while before we get another Flash. And I, I feel the same way about this, like... A, a bad Flash movie is better than no Flash movie. Like I used to say about Star Wars, bad Star Wars is better than no Star Wars, but I would rather have good Star Wars. I feel the same way. I don't think this movie is going to execute on the level that anyone thinks it's going to. I don't think that this movie is going to live up to the hype, and I think that that's a problem that people are going to have to come to terms with as the movie gets closer to release. Now, story number two is tangentially related. J.J. Um, Abrams, who you'll know if you've listened to the show before, we don't like J.J. Abrams, really. We have our misgivings about him as a storyteller and all of that, notwithstanding, not a not a fan of him as a filmmaker. That said, also, he signed a $2 billion deal with WarnerMedia to make movies and television shows based on their properties. Good for him. They made a few big marquee announcements when he signed on with this deal, Justice League Dark was one of them, two original series that they didn't really go into too much detail on, but, you know, original series by J.J. Abrams, never seen him stick the landing on anything, so not sure why we would be excited about this, it's kind of like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, but less good, I have a cat flashing me right now, I'm recording in a parking lot, um, and a cat sat down in this driveway of this, uh, like, masonry place that I'm apart across from, sits down, sits angled facing me, puts its leg up and starts licking its balls. And I'm like, really? Really, dude? Like, anyway, I- I'm sitting, like, a few of his, I, like, I-, I understand why, again, Warner Brothers seems like they're a studio done by algorithm. People like The Shining, people like Stephen King movies. It and it too made a lot of money. Let's do more Stephen King. Castle Rock was very well-received for the for the seasons it was on, so Stephen King books get adapted well into TV. Let's do a prequel series about the Overlook Hotel. That was one of the ones that J.J. even signed on for. Now, a lot of people, myself included, were like, this is a really shitty idea, because I don't think that there was any indication that this would be good. There was no hope that, like... Like, I had no, like, what's it called? I had no positive feelings about this before the uh, before the announcement of this, sh- of this show. I don't think that there was any hope the show would be good. So now that the news came today that the show is being canceled, I was like, all right, that makes sense. But the fact that the show is not being picked up by Warner Media indicates to me that not that J.J. Abrams couldn't crack the script, which is a viable thing. Like, if J.J. Abrams was like, I just can't come up with a way to do this and have it, have it be good, That would be something I'd be like, okay, that, I can see that. That's something that, you know, makes sense. This is something that was foisted upon him by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers wanted him to do it. He couldn't quite figure out how to crack it. Whatever. Didn't happen. Thank God. Not going to happen. I I can understand that. But what this seems like happened was Warner Brothers said to him, what do you want to work on? And he said, I want to do X, Y, and Z. So he comes back with hopefully just a script saying, you know, but no, it's being shopped around. If it's being shopped around, that means that they have a pilot. But if the pilot is, you know... I, I don't think that this is, you know, this is a good idea for a show. I don't think that... I think that Warner Media was right to, to cancel it. But to say we're going to sit here and shop around to other networks, what network's going to take that sloppy seconds? Like, it's not like we're sitting here and we're saying that, like, you know, someone else... Like, this is... You have a designated streaming service where if you don't think that it would be a strong enough show for your streaming service, which features Titans as a, as a, a premiere show, like, I, I don't know what to tell you about what you think is going to happen, especially considering you are the studio that has all the rights to Stephen King stuff now. It doesn't make sense to me that they would be able to get a, what's it called, to be able to get a, a, a second wind from another network in this situation. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think the show is dead in the water right now. I mean, there are other shows that have gotten second lives on other network. Last Man Standing went from ABC to Fox, if I remember correctly. I know it ended up on Fox. I don't remember where it started, but it ended up on Fox. Uh, Supergirl started on CBS and ended on CW. And, and you know, shows have gone from streaming. And, and, like, Lucifer went from network to streaming. Stargirl went from streaming to, to network. I don't think that this show has life anywhere. I don't see AMC picking it up. If HBO Max isn't doing it, then it's certainly not going to HBO. I, I don't see it having a second life anywhere. I'm, I, I just don't. So if you were... In the very small minority, looking forward to the show, I'm sorry I have bad news for you. The show's probably not happening. And I I would say, unfortunately, but I, I, I can't find myself the strength within myself to root for J.J. Abrams at this point or anything he does. I don't find it amusing or, you know, good or of any real quality. It's like the only time he's ever done something well is if someone else had a hand in it and was, you know, guiding it. Because, like, I think that's the thing we got to look at, where it's, like, he had the the writing partner on, uh, what's that show called? That he had the writing partner on Lost, and, you know, J.J. hasn't gone to do anything great since Lost, but Carlton Cuse, I think, I think he did Leftovers. And who was the other one who did uh, Watchmen? And it's, like, you know, his partners go on to do great things, but he he doesn't. He just doesn't. So I, I I, I don't look forward to, you know, announcing that J.J. is doing something. Unless it's, like, J.J. Abrams is fronting money for something and someone else can have creative control. Like, I think that a Tahanisi Coates Superman movie is a great idea. As long as J.J. is not directly involved in any major way and he's just the studio fronting the money for it, I I don't think that, like, if that's what's happening, totally, totally on board. If it's going to be a J.J. Abrams movie written by Tahanisi Coates, then, you know, keep it. Like if, it, if it's a, like, if he has final silence on story and direction, then I'm less interested. Because he's proven himself time and again to not be... He's a competent filmmaker and he's good at making movies that make a lot of money, but eventually the audience is going to start seeing through the facade. It's like, you know, if you look at The Rise of Skywalker, it's like that moment at the end where, uh, or toward the beginning of the third act when Luke lifts the, the X-Wing out of the water... It's like, it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what that sequence where he doesn't do it in, you know, Empire Strikes Back. It shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what that scene is. And then the scene related where he doesn't go in person to help in, you know, in The Last Jedi. It's it's just a complete misunderstanding of how Star Wars works. And finally, I want to talk about the last Stan Lee Alliances book, or the most recent Stanley Alliances book, because I'm sure they're going to milk this to death. First off, I'm not entirely sure how they got... I think the audio recording is the same audio recording that they used in the first one. I don't quite 100% remember, but I think that that was, you know, there. I think that this adventure, this audio adventure uh, is really just a precursor to kind of set up where we are in the next book. And I think it is, I hate, I hate these prelude things that are kind of required reading. It's like, if you read, like, I keep using Fury of Firestorm as the example, because that's, like, one of the biggest prelude comics I could think of, where the Monitor is trying to get together heroes to face off against the Anti-Monitor, the Anti-Monitor sends out, like, Psycho Pirate, and he has, and the Monitor has Firestorm, and, you know, they're facing off with Killer Frost, and it's like... It's a comic to set up the conflict in Crescent Infinite Earths. And that's kind of what this is. At the end of the last book, we ended with Cameron, you know, rebuilding his father's world, Oz. It's a virtual world. And his father had a business partner. And this story is billed as the story of Olivia, which is the daughter of the business partner of Cameron's father, who owns her own company now. She's a little older than Cameron, and she, she has a company. She's also, like... By, like, cybernetically enhanced. And it's, like, the story, it's just, it, and really the story of their fathers and the conflict that went along with them. And really all this is, this is a four-to-five-hour excuse to explain how Olivia is the villain in the next book. Um, and I, if if my Spider-Man history is accurate, because that's really what Cameron's story feels like. It feels like a retelling of the story of Spider-Man, but in the modern era. And I think that's one of the things that uh, A Trick of Light and this book also do very well, is it's science fiction in the most philosophical sense of the word, where it's designed to make you think, and it's designed to make you really feel like, you know, you like it, it's taking deep philosophical subjects and and making you look at them in a in a major way where it's like this is all about the internet the reach of the internet and what happens if the internet were to come under the control of someone else and as we use the internet in our daily lives in a more heavy way what does that mean for us and and how much can be hacked and it's, it's a really interesting story in that regard but because it so closely mirrors the story of spider-man I'm going to say that Olivia ends up taking a venom route where she becomes kind of an anti-hero by the end of it. Um, I don't think she's going to end up being a full fledged villain uh, forever. I I, I would like to see her more fleshed out because I, I don't like the idea of fleshing out a character via all of her relationships. I mean, or his, but I don't like the idea that the only way we can flesh out a character is to talk about who they're related to. And it's like, well, they have to be related to this person. And I also didn't like in this one, they gave Cameron's father powers, and he's currently in space, which really just sets up that there are other people with powers in the world. It's gonna, it, it's cool, but at the same time, it's like, it, it, it's kind of, he's going to come into play again, and it really is just a prelude to set up all this stuff in the next book. Um, if a next book is happening, I haven't looked that up yet. But it's only four hours, and if you like the first one, you'll probably like this one. the The world that they've built here is really cool. Um, I think it's a shame that Stanley isn't around to see it fully realized, but that doesn't mean they're not going to throw his name on it and, and play that ghost recording of him before everyone, so don't worry about that. Will Wheaton is the voice, but if you have Audible, it's free included with your subscription, so definitely check it out. For those of you who don't know, Amazon has this cool new format where you can write episodic fiction. Basically, it's like Wattpad, but Amazon's version of it. And because there's a token system to it, the writers who are participating do get paid. I am on this service. I have a new ongoing series called The Alchemist and the Illusionist, where if you've read Swan Song or Duet or The Muses, you'll be familiar with the character Christine Coleman. This is kind of her origin story on how she became the alchemist that we see in there. If you've read Our Past is Not Define Us, please do not spoil what goes on in the the future for those who haven't read it yet. If you want to check out the series, new episodes go up the third Wednesday of every month, which means August 18th will be the next new episode coming out. Until then, the first three episodes are always free. After that, there's a small token fee that you can get to read the next two episodes, all available on Kindle Vela, which is available in your Kindle app. If you go to bitbit.ly slash Alchemist, all one word, so that's bit.ly slash V-E-L-L-A-A-L-C-H-E-M-I-S-T. If you go there, you can pick up the, you can read the first three. If you like it, thumbs up, uh, give it the thumbs up. If you don't like it, please continue to give it the thumbs up anyway because it'll still bump it to the top and someone else may read it because that's the goal here. If you want to support the show, it's a great way to support the show. Minimal effort, just go to bit.ly B-I-T slash V-E-L-L-A. A L C H E M I S T. Thank you. So this week's listener mail comes from Diana from Portland, Oregon, which is I think our first female listener mail and also painting a very clear picture of the fact that we are very popular on the coasts and not really in Middle America for reasons being what they are. Um the question's an interesting one. It's one that I've really approached in the past and I, I I really wanna like, you know, address this one further. Um. Question is, what books would you adapt to a movie or a TV show? For the sake of this, I'm not gonna go with stuff that's already been adapted. I'm just gonna go with uh, things that are not already done, not already publicly known, optioned. So, like Magic Tree House. No, I'm not gonna say remake The Hunger Games or do Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes or go on to you know redo Divergent, or anything like that, because really that's not helpful for anyone, because obviously those things are already done. So, here are a few of my quick thoughts on things that should be adapted. Number one, I would say, for the sake of the MLB, the MLB being what it is these days, where it's, it's losing viewership and all of that, and the MLB really has this this strange history to it, that so the show really has a sense of, like, mythical proportion to its to its history where it's like we look at our baseball heroes the same way we look at, you know, like mythical gods. Like, you know, we look at back at like Jackie Robinson, Babe Ruth and, you know, Mickey Mantle and all these other characters. I'm I'm saying a lot of Yankees people because I'm I'm a Yankee fan, but when we look back at baseball, we look at we look at the look at it with this reverence that we reserve for, you know, warriors of legend. And because of that, I think that I think that the MLB could capitalize on that by going with Dan Gutman's series, The Baseball Card Adventures, I think is the name of the series. Um, baseball Card Adventures is the story of this kid, Joe, who has the ability to travel through time while holding a baseball card. He can go back in time, meet people, talk to them, get to know them, and learn their story. So he's gone back in time. And and, and I think the reason why the MLB hasn't done this is because of the whole controversy with Shoeless Joe. I know we're losing people now because people don't really give a fuck about baseball, but back in the 19, in the early 1900s, there was a, a controversy where the, uh, the Chicago White Sox um, threw the World Series, and there's been a controversy over whether or not Joe Jackson, who is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, um, participated in it at the time he was deemed guilty, despite the fact that, like, everyone involved said no, he didn't do it. And the MLB gave him a lifetime ban, so he's not in the Hall of Fame. Which, even to this day, a 100 years later, we're still like, well, maybe he should be reinstated into the Hall of Fame at this point, because, you know, what he did, like, throwing the World Series in that regard, even if he did it, doesn't take away from his stats and what he did at the time, but now overwhelming evidence supports that he didn't do it. The MLB hasn't gone back on that, and and the book about it really takes the stance with them, and they and they go deep with all these people. It like is a Jackie Robinson book, a Honus Wagner book, uh, not Mickey Mantle, because um, it starts out with Mickey Mantle, but it's um it's about the um the women's um, league back during World War II, but that would be an interesting thing for them to adapt. Other books, I know they're doing Magic Treehouse already. Another one that comes to mind is The Unwanted. Um, which is a fairly more it's a more recent series about you know the use of arts as a form of magic. Um, and, and you can get this really it, this one really strikes me as an animated series or an animated um, uh, an animated movie because you can get this striking duality between the black and white monochromes of you know the world where they don't keep the, uh, the where the people who are unwanted aren't are from but get sent away from. I, I, like, that contrasting with the bright, vibrant colors of the world where the magic is, I think that would be an interesting thing to really explore. Let's see, I can't, I'm, I'm a little out of touch with, like, modern young adult fiction, because, like, I would like to see them do, like, animated versions of, like, kind of like, you know, how Marvel's doing What If, I would like to see them do animated versions of, like, Star Wars Legends, if like they did a mini-series of Air to the Empire, like, this is non-canon. Never happened. Like I would, I would, I would watch that. I would like to see that. Uh, if they did um, Kingdom Keepers, which I know Kevin Smith was working on for a while, but that got shit canned, and I think that to an extent, we're not gonna see Kingdom Keepers based on the reasons why he says it got shit canned. So you know that's a disappointment. Uh, maybe if they did like an animated series based on the uh, the Twisted Tail series. That'd be pretty cool. Where, but like. I do have like some criticism about the about the Twisted Tales where it's like it's kind of like, you know, after the twist happens where everything changes, um, no one acts according to their character as established in the movie. Like in the first Twisted Tales book, really in the second one it didn't really happen as much, the one with Sleeping Beauty, but the one with Aladdin was very obvious out of the gate. Like it feels like it's fan fiction, but like super edgy fan fiction, like, you know, cold steel the hedgehog fan fiction. Like, that kind of thing where you're like, okay, this is outside of the spirit of what happened. Like, outside of anything established as to what happened. And there are some neat easter eggs in them. I'll give them that. Like, in the Aladdin one, there was an easter egg to um, King of Thieves. I I would like to see these adapted. Probably not going to happen, though. What else was there? Um, Charlie Bone, I'm surprised, hasn't been done yet. Um, which was, like, the anti-Harry Potter. Not established in that way as the anti-Harry Potter, but more like the contrarian kids who didn't want to read Harry Potter read Charlie Bone and, to this day, have, like, a hate boner for anyone who read Harry Potter. Like, that's not even an exaggeration. When I was working at my last job, me and this other girl both, um, you know, she read Harry Potter, I read Harry Potter too, so we would discuss it every once in a while. It wasn't like a major topic of conversation, but it would come up um, or, like, a joke would happen. And there's one other guy we worked with uh, who was also our age. He hadn't read Harry Potter, and he had read Charlie Bone, though, and he had to make that abundantly clear every time, you know, we talked about Harry Potter. I don't think there really are too many other books that haven't, like, that's the thing is, too. It's like I see that these books come out, and then, like, almost immediately they're optioned. Like, uh, the Final Girl Support Group, which I talked about the other day, or, like, two weeks ago at this point. It came out in late July, um, which is, like, a riff on... It's an interesting concept, and I think if the, if the TV show executes it better than my opinion the book did in the beginning. Because for me, at least, one of the big failings of the book was that, like, it's called Final Girl Support Group. It's by an established horror writer who's known for writing horror, where it's like, we, we know what we're getting into at this point. You don't need to retread things, so, like, if the movie isn't going to retread... Um, as deeply what all of these slasher movies are, uh, you have my vote. With the found girl support group, it, it was almost immediately option. Like the week after it came out, it was option. With Charlie theron already signed on to be part of it, and it's like if that happens, like number one, what hope is there for anyone trying to break into the industry when an established writer can do that and then immediately get uh, get picked up like within a week, and it's like here we're gonna do this now um, on a high budget on a streaming service. And then there's, like, you know, what hope does anyone else have if, if, that's, if that's happening? Um, but then on top of that, there's also um, the fact that if there's a good idea, it will almost immediately get optioned into, into a series. Now, children's books tend not to get adapted because a children's book is small and doesn't really lend itself to... More so, a children's book will lend itself to an episodic format on television where it's like we see, like... Uh, Oh, my mom teaches kindergarten, so, like, she's got all of these children's books, like, Elephant and Piggy, which is, like, they have, like, these books, and it's just stories upon stories upon stories, and it's, like, that kind of lends itself more to a, to a short, or to a episodic TV show. Uh, same with, say, um, um, The Deputy Cat on Amazon Prime. I don't think I can really think of anything else, um, there was a book I read, uh, Zodiac, that I could see being done, it's a spacefaring science fiction uh, once in Future, um, that's one that'd be pretty cool. Um, it's like the Arthurian legend, but set in space. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe a new, a new attempt at the Dark Tower. I felt the Dark Tower would be better served as a multi-season TV show. Because like even a series like a series of Unfortunate Defense was so much better served by a, uh, a, a miniseries than it was a movie. Uh, I think that that's something that could be considered. But I think part of the Dark Tower was that... People didn't understand what it was. Like, it's both a sequel and a, uh, a, an original movie. I don't think that that was something that really registered with people uh, in a meaningful way. What else was there? I'm trying to think. There's also... There's there just so many books out there. Let me look at my book list and see what I got on my, on my list of books that I've read this year. This is How You Lose a Time War, I'd love to see. That's one of my favorite books the last few years. If you've read the new, the, the anthology Exhalation, uh, there are two short stories in there that I think really lend themselves to adaptation. Um, Dizziness is the something of anxiety, I think, which is about you know parallel universes and seeing into parallel universes. That I could see lending itself. And then the Life Cycles of Software Objects, another great one, uh, both of which you could, I could see doing it. Midnight Library. Uh, Fifth season is already being adapted. I could see The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue getting an adaptation. Uh, we're getting Dune. Axioms and getting an adaptation. Una Out of Order would be a cool little mini series, I think, that I would love to. A Declaration of Rights of Magicians, I think, is somehow, in my head, more expensive of a concept than, say, a spacefaring science fiction. Uh, but that would be pretty cool, too. I think. Um, so, yeah. So I think that that basically answers that question. Um, So thank you for that. Um, And with that, we'll be back next week with more listener questions, more uh, news stories as they happen, the next two episodes of The Flash, and another movie. Uh, So until then, have a great rest of your week. Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? Are you indifferent to the show? No matter what, you should probably let us know what we're doing so we can change it to better suit you, the listener's needs. You can go to either bitbit.ly boscontact B-O-S contact, which is a contact form page you can use. Also, you can just email us directly at 30 reviews at gmail.com. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we can answer them on the air. We have a few questions every week that will be selected to be answered on air. Um, so if you want to tell us what we should do, or if you have a suggestion for a movie or a TV show or something we should cover, Go to bitbit.ly boscontact contact and also email us 30 minute at gmail.com.